You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm Shannon Young. The Colorado River supplies water to over 40 million people in the U.S. West and in parts of Mexico. It sustains multiple ecosystems as well as major agriculture operations. Its levels have also fallen to worrisome lows due to a mega drought that began over 20 years ago. While much reporting focuses on the implications for humans who source water from the river, a new book out from Arvada-based conservation photographer David Showalter focuses on the river itself and the life it sustains. He joins me now live in the studio. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming down. Uh, Your book is called Living River, The Promise of the Mighty Colorado. Start off with the backstory. What led you down the path of this project and and tell why why tell the story through photos so in 2015 i was not looking for a new project i had just published a book another book about the sagebrush ecosystem i went to an audubon meeting in dc and was invited to a breakout session and i thought from looking at their incredible campaign um, that i could contribute something and then shortly after that I heard an expert who should have known better say that the river is dying, and that just flipped me on my head. Um, That was not my experience. My wife, Marla, and I had been roaming this watershed, backpacking and such, backcountry expeditions for decades, and had seen a whole lot of life wherever rivers and water flow. And so um, I wanted to draw upon that and take people to the river. Now, you also mentioned in your book that journalists tend to also use that framing, right? That the river is dying. And you, of course, mentioned that you take issue with that. But what other uh, ways of reporting about the Colorado River do you feel are inaccurate? Well, I, I just felt like um, a lot of these stories look at the a, a river system that's 1,450 miles long through the lens of what I call the plumbing system, which is the the dams and reservoirs that feed the lower basin states, California, uh, Arizona, and Nevada, and also the big agricultural um, industrial operations in Yuma, Imperial Valley, and Mexicali, Mexico. And, and that's one way to look at the river. But it's all of that water has, that, that starts in Rocky Mountain National Park and is in the upper basin has to reach the lower basin states. And Rivers have to flow to get there. And when rivers flow, there's life. There's abundant, dynamic life. And I don't think anybody's going to care if we don't take them to the river. If we just, you know, talk about, bemoan the status of, of the plumbing system, um, we, can, we need to know the river itself. And we need a lot more folks to care. And I felt like that was what I could contribute. And it's hard to really properly convey the visuals over the radio, but this this book is really just a stunning type. One of those books that is often out on coffee tables. You can just stare at the detail and some of the, the like, for example, the rock formations, the little plants over here and there. Uh, what What are some of your absolute favorite parts along the river that maybe you already knew of beforehand? And did you uh, get to meet any new ecosystems that you didn't already know about previously? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for me, my understanding of the river started with the headwaters. And just right here in Colorado, which is about where 90% of the water comes from, is in the headwater mountains. And so all that wonderful snowpack that's melting right now, and it's really important to know where our rivers start. And like sitting here in Boulder, that about half of our water 
we're in the Platte Basin watershed here. About half of our water comes from, in the Denver-Boulder area, the Colorado River by diversion. It's important to know those things. I, I think if we're to change our relationship to water, change the narrative, um, we have to embrace, I guess, the river we have and, and, and know where our water comes from. So um, that's a big part of it. And sorry, I didn't remember the rest of the question. Oh, any, any new areas that oh, you were geez. like, wow, yeah, this is so, new? So what I wanted to do was show people, I wanted to not only take them to the, to the river, but show them what a watershed is, and a watershed of 40 million people, and, there, and what's our place in that watershed. And so I poked around in tributary spaces, and I went back to those places over and over again. The, the indigenous folks in Bears Ears were incredibly welcoming and generous, and, and these are people that don't have access to clean water. And we won't be whole as a watershed community until they do. The Gila River in southwest New Mexico, I was just there, and it is exploding with life. All of the birds that are coming up from the Central and South America to nest and, and raise their young there. Um, the San Pedro River, which has to be infiltrated with water into gray water, into the alluvial aquifer to raise the groundwater and the water table. And that place is exploding with life right now. It's just this little river right now. It's, it explodes when, when monsoon season comes. But, but these rivers are so important. When you think about southwestern rivers with their north-south orientation and how birds move through the landscape, and I often think of it as a river of birds. Um, but, but this is a river that is dynamic and, and has abundant life wherever water flows. And I think that's a good starting point you know, to, to understand and to begin to shift our relationship to water in the West. We can't continue doing things the way we have. There's less water in the system, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. We just have to shift our relationships. Let's get into that shifting of relationships. Now, you mentioned about people from indigenous communities along the river who have a different relationship to the water as river keepers. And we also talk about the, 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 our groundwork of relating to the river and a lot of that is based off of the 1922 Colorado River Compact and it's important to to note that indigenous communities were explicitly excluded from this Colorado River Compact so I'm wondering if you could share a bit uh, about what you learned from these communities along the way the relationship to water and if there's any particular stories about river keepers that you'd like to share with listeners. Sure so I worked with a wonderful family and some other folks in the Monument Valley area. And it started with Utah Denebakea, which is the five tribe coalition uh, for the protection of Bears Ears. And that is Navajo, um, Ute, Ute Mountain Ute, Zuni, and Hopi people. They all came together and it's, it's, it's really beautiful. And, and I just learned that the river is female and she is sacred and she is indigenous. And um, that these folks, although they have a water right. It's it's very complicated legally, and we just we just have a responsibility as a watershed community to make sure everybody has access to clean water. and And so Cynthia Wilson um, was, was my guide in in Navajo land, and she's just this incredible person. and uh, And yeah, that as river keepers, um, they shift our understanding of of water in that part of the West, in the arid West, and. And I, I tried to tell the story through people who are doing great work. So Kirk Clanky up in the headwaters is, you know, he's, he's protecting the Fraser River, which has uh, a big uh, diversion that, that takes the water out of the Fraser, And that's the first tributary of the Colorado up by Winter Park Ski Area. 
and folks on, as I mentioned, the Gila and the San Pedro um, and elsewhere in the watershed have a story to tell and people that have dedicated decades um, to protecting their part of the Colorado River. And I think we can draw inspiration from those folks who uh, are just regular people who decided they could make a difference. And even each of us can make a difference in our own lives. We only have about a minute left. So I wanted to ask you, uh, you are presenting your book this evening here in Boulder at the Boulder Bookstore at 630. Is there anything that you want people to, to know about this event? Well, let's just gather as a watershed community and have fun, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to take you to the river. And uh, so I'll, I'll present for about a half hour. We'll sign books, answer questions, and have a wonderful community event. That gives me one more minute to ask you another question that I just had to ask. You you describe yourself as a conservation photographer, and I guess I'm more used to the vernacular, maybe, of nature photographer. Is there a difference? or And if there is, what is it? The difference is conservation photographers tell stories so people will care. So everything we do is with intention. And I like to think of it as the story decides what pictures and, and what words need to be written and uh, to serve the story and, and to bring people, in this case, along on a big river journey. Well, thank you very much, David Showalter. He is a, an, a conservation photographer based in Arvada. will be presenting his book, Living River, The Promise of the Mighty Colorado, tonight at the Boulder Bookstore at 630. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Mm-hmm.